In this video, I am gonna explain the niches that you should avoid. If you're in these niches or you think about going into these niches, things will be considerably harder for you. There's gonna be niches that you've probably not thought of too much. We're gonna go through some obvious ones, but also some less obvious ones. And then I'm gonna walk you through an entire sort of market that I would stay away from entirely, because if you went into that, you're kind of screwed before you even start. Going into one of these niches is like starting a 100 meter race, but you're 200 meters behind everybody else starting. So it's really important you get the niche thing right. If you don't, you can really get yourself into some trouble. And I'm hoping that by making this video I help you avoid the trouble. My name is Charlie. I've built and scaled two companies, an agency to seven figures. We used to call it North Oak Consulting. We used to run it. Now I run Imperium Acquisition, which is a multi-seven figure coaching business. I make these videos to help people make client acquisition easy. I'm not here to try and sell you a 997 course or send you to a webinar. So do not worry. Do not fear. Let's hop into the clip and get started. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Charlie's No No Niches. Now, I'm probably not going to title the video this, but what I've done here is I've basically picked out five niches that I've covered in these wonderful squares. And I've done that to keep your attention here because I really want to explain every niche and why it doesn't work so that you're more informed. Right, we're going to keep it pretty simple. But behind each square, drum roll please, we have a certain niche, as you can see. And so we need to make sure that we avoid these niches because they are Charlie's no-no niches, right? You can do it if you want. You can try and prove me wrong and I'm more than open to be proven wrong. In fact, if you're in one of these niches and you are succeeding, please tell me because I love being wrong. I love finding the truth. But fundamentally, from what I have observed, having helped about five, over 500 agency owners and coaches, consultants, etc., there are a selection of niches, a handful of them that are specifically and significantly higher harder than the other ones, right? And so often success and all of this cool stuff in life is more about figuring out what not to do than what to do. Charlie Munger phrased that perfectly when he said, all I want to know in life is where I'm going to die so I don't go there. What I'm trying to do in this video is basically showing you, hey, if you go to one of these no-no niches, you might die, not physically, but you get the point, right? So let's get started with niche numero uno, and you will probably not be seeing this one coming. Bang, veterinary practices, right? So I'm going to quickly explain each niche and why it's not good. I'm not going to spend too long, but you also need to understand that there are quite literally dozens, if not hundreds of niches out there, right? And so I'm going to explain the principles as to why these niches are not viable. And then you could look at your niche and ask yourself, oh, does that apply to my niche or not? Right, let's get started. The problem with veterinary practices is that they don't need more customers. So I've had, I think, three or four clients come into our program in the veterinary niche and they try and use our outreach methods, right? And they get responses and they get people answering their calls and they get people booking appointments and stuff. The problem is that the veterinary practices seem Simply do not need the help. The, the most common response to a cold email to a vet is, listen, I need vets, not customers. They need more staff than they do customers because there's, for some reason, people love their pets, right? So that's just the first one to avoid is one of, you know, the biggest ones. It's not, it's not actually like one of the biggest ones in terms of what to avoid. But if you go into a niche, like fundamentally, if they don't need your help, you ain't got a leg to stand on because we want a niche that's in significant amounts of pain because value is created when pain is alleviated. And we can't create value if we can't alleviate pain because if pain doesn't exist, there ain't nothing to alleviate. Numero deux. And I'm not going to test my French beyond that because it's not up to scratch. But then we have law firms. So this is quite a surprising one, but one that I have once again seen as quite commonly difficult, right? I'm not saying it's impossible, but I want to tell you a story about a guy called Oscar, right? Some of you might know him because he's one of my sales reps and I love Oscar to bits. And he's done, he's been working with us now. He came on board as a client. Oscar is an extremely talented young man. He is unbelievably hardworking. He's very dedicated. I think he's such a great hire. Like I'm, I'm really glad that we've got him on the team. I saw in Oscar some, some talent. So, and he was really struggling with his agency. For 
for a long time. And he hopped into the program and he started using some of our systems and he was getting some appointments here and there, but it was nothing like, nothing miraculous compared to some clients where they book like, you know, 20 appointments a week. Oscar might be getting like, you know, one a day or something. And so he was struggling, right? So I was like, what's going on, mate? And we talked about it and we were talking about the law niche. And then I started to observe the same thing sort of unfolding in other people who had tried the law niche. The problem with the law firm niche is that if you want to reach out to the good businesses, the good lawyers, they do not check their emails. Now, I haven't fact-checked this, so you might want to think critically, but this is the conclusion that we came to because we got on a call, I think there was like three or four of us, um, me included, people in the law niche, and we were talking, why are these cold emails not working? Why do the cold calls not get answered? Why do the cold messages not get answered? And we basically concluded that most of these lawyers just simply don't check. They don't, they're not They're not in the, in the market for business proposals, and most of them don't necessarily need more contracts. So I might be wrong here because I've got more conviction on the veterinary practices one than I do the law firms one because the veterinary practices, we've got more agencies that, that didn't make it work. But law firms, like it's repeatedly seems to have happened because Oscar is very talented. He started doing appointment setting for us, right? And he started doing sales for us. And he now converts like well above 25 to 30%. And you know, when he was doing setting for us, he, he would sometimes book like 15 appointments a day. When he was in the law niche, he could struggle, he'd struggle to book beyond one to two appointments a day. And the conversion rate on those appointments was like, you know, five, 10%. So it wasn't the human because it's, it's niche. The, the problem with niches is people ask me what the best niche is. It's usually the human variable is more important than the niche variable. So they're like, hey, Charlie, what do you think of the roofing niche? And I'm like, look, I don't think of the roofing niche. I think of the person that's in the niche because it, ultimately that's going to determine the success. Regardless, I'd stay away from law firms. Toi, dentist. Now, this is a big shocker because dentist is quite a popular niche. There's one reason and one reason only that I don't like the dental niche, right? And that there's there's a reason why it's on my wonderful no-no no no niche, no-no niche list. Dentists are notoriously hard to contact through cold methods. If you do if you're doing inbound or you're doing ads, you're gonna be you're gonna be shiny and, and gorgeous, right? The problem with this is that dentists they have receptionists, right? Most dentists, or most dentists worth their salt at least, have someone screening cold calls and you know, so have they have someone screening the cold emails. Cold messaging, a little bit different, but even then like most of them are like you know 45 year old blokes I might be being stereotypical there but most dentists aren't going to be sitting on social media although I might be proven wrong but this is an assumption based on some data and some analysis that I've done you know over 500 agencies so the problem with dentists is like if you're starting it kind of sucks because I know that it's possible to acquire clients through cold methods through dentists but it's significantly harder to do because a lot of the time you're going to be going to the, the gatekeeper or the decision maker as opposed to the decision maker right and you know you've just got this one extra hurdle to climb over it's going to suck so I'd stay away from the dental niche now this one won't come as a surprise to many people and I believe this is un de toi. I don't, I'm not even going to try and do that in French. But e-commerce is, you know, I've talked about this at length in multiple videos before. Um, the e-commerce niche is, is the hardest niche. And the reason it's the hardest niche is because it's the, it's the one that is most scalable. Now, the argument that everyone has for the e-com niche is like, oh, well, in the e-com niche, you can have like, you can have like five clients and make a hundred grand a month because they're all paying high ticket. Let me tell you a pretty painful and harsh reality about business owners. If they're working with an agency and the agency scales them from, let's say, one million a year to 10 million a year, as soon as they get to that 10 mil a year, they're going to take their marketing in-house. This is what these big brands do. They don't like working with agencies at and having to pay massive retainers when they can just hire someone to do it in-house for them and have that person full-time. So this, this dream of having like a very small amount of clients and having these huge retainers naturally fades away because you you out, you out you are the victim of your own success with e-com. If you scale them so well, then they eventually, they, they build the resources, the capital and the infrastructure to eventually have a marketing team in-house. And I know so many guys in the e-com niche that have built successful e-com agencies that frequently lose their biggest and best clients to this sort of going in-house sort of thing. The other problem with e-com is everything is harder. The businesses are harder to find online, which makes lead sourcing more hard and more painful, right? The appointment booking is harder because everyone's in the e-commerce niche. The big problem is the offer thing.
thing, right? So e-com is notoriously hard to deliver results for, and it's only hard or easy in contrast to other niches. So if you're delivering results for an e-commerce store, you're going to find it significantly harder to get a good ROAS than you would if you were trying to get a good cost per lead, because there's less moving pieces and marketing for local businesses is just easier than marketing for big online international brands, right? It's just kind of, there's less variables, there's less moving parts, it's much easier. The service delivery is harder, the lead sourcing is harder, the appointment booking is harder, and the reason the appointment booking is harder is because the offer thing is harder. Because to create a good offer, you need to have a good service. But if you're trying to deliver a service around a niche that's really hard, it's going to be harder to do the, the offer. So basically, like e-commerce as a whole, there's way more friction through every single system, and it requires way more effort. And on top of that, people think that for their effort, they're going to be rewarded with this wonderful, you know, small clientele, massive scaling agency. But it, it doesn't happen like that. People often find that they get kicked out by people taking their businesses in the house and the marketing in house. So there's people who have been successful in e-com. I do not recommend it to any of my clients. I think that the market may shift away from it over the next year or two, and it might become viable again. But all of the gurus you see, or all of the people who you know have these big, high-flying e-commerce agencies, they started four or five years ago when it was very easy to acquire clients organically. If you're trying to get in, you know, four or five years later, it's going to be tricky. And I know, um, I know guys that run like e-commerce agencies that do 100, 200, 300k a month, and a lot of them say they don't really enjoy it too much because of how much harder it is. They say they wish they'd done into into lead gen. So those are the those are the ones. Now the next one I'm going to give you is it's more of a market than a niche, right? So it's it's more of a broad sort of blanket thing that's going to basically explain a collection of niches inside of it. And I want you to avoid these like the plague. And we're going to reveal it. Right, freelance paper hour niches. So this is a this is a real big problem. And you might be wondering what I mean. So first of all, let me clarify what I mean by the niche, and then I'm going to explain why it's a problem. So freelance paper hour niches. This is basically where you're helping people, not businesses. What do I mean by that? Personal trainers, an example. Meditation coaches, if they if they charge per hour, as an example. Life coaches, if they charge per hour. Um, another big one is the therapy niche or the physiotherapy niche. You know, the main the main one to describe it to sort of encapsulate the whole argument is the personal trainer idea, where you've got a personal trainer that charges forty to hundred dollars an hour, and that's the niche, right? Let me tell you the problem, right? The problem with these niches is that fundamentally you are you and they are capped by how many hours in the day they have to work, and you can't scale them. <laughs> you can't scale time. It's impossible, right? Many people have probably tried to do that, and even Albert Einstein couldn't figure it out. So I don't think you know you or I can. No offense, but we're not Albert, right? Good old Albie. So the freelance paper hour niche is like you if if you want to grow something, it needs to have the legs for growth. And so the thing is with the personal training business, if you if you're helping a personal trainer, if they're like if they've only got if they're only willing to work like say 40, 50 hours a week, you're fundamentally capped. So here's the thing: if you generate them a hundred leads and you get 50 people showing up and then they convert, you know, 10, 15 of them, you're out of a job in three or four months. So it's like I when I'm looking at when I was used to do marketing for, for fitness businesses, because that was what Northflow Consulting did. We did it really fucking well for gyms. We we built a huge company around that. Like we would always turn down personal trainers. Personal training studios very different scenario because they've got you know a whole army of personal trainers that can take on the leads but individuals are very hard to scale and they can scale by increasing their price and stuff like that but we've always found that working with someone that charges per hour is notoriously hard unless they charge an extremely high amount per hour but not many people who do hourly work do and so you know we found with personal trainers that after like you know two months they'd be like hey mate like i've got like 300 people to call my calendars for new consultations are like always full and i'm all i'm almost at the capacity and because they haven't got this sort of business entrepreneurial spirit at the level they need to have to, to take to the next level they don't think about hiring someone else or anything like that so they don't solve the problem that you actually give them i stay away from that niche and and you need to ask yourself it's the same thing with the therapy niche right it's 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 like if you're the, 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 the physiotherapy niche if you want to you know 
be non-binary and take both of them. It's like these niches, you're helping people, not businesses, and you can't scale a human. It's very hard to do that because <laughs> the only real way to scale your the value of your time is to increase how much your time is worth. And most people don't want to do that. I would stick away from that. I'd stay away from it. I'd, I'd you know, any sort of pay per hour niche. A lot of them as well, you have to realize like their income is significantly capped. Like most personal trainers aren't, aren't going to be making more than like 50 to 100K a year. And if you're coming in, you know, to have a reasonable budget to generate results, you're going to need like 1K a month in ad spend. You're going to want to get paid like 1 to 2K a month. You can like cut away like, you know, 20 to 30% of their income before they've even received a lead. And a lot of people are unwilling to do that. You'll find that it's, it, it's possible to sell, but the problem you run into is after a couple of months, like lo and behold, Charlie's no no niches come out and they kind of get you. So there is one niche that is the worst niche and it's worse than all of these ones combined, right? And there's a niche that's the best niche. And I'm going to tell you what both of them are as basically right now. The thing about niches is that they get easier the more you stick with them. So here's an, here's an interesting um, paradox stroke thought experiment for you. The worst niche is the niche that you pick today. And the worst niche is the niche that you've picked basically the next six months. So what I mean by that is like the worst possible niche you could ever pick is the first is the one you pick for the first year because it's going to be hell on earth for you to figure out the dynamics of that niche. But the best niche is the niche that you've stuck to for a few years. So there's a relationship between best and worst and how much time you've actually invested into the individual niches. And I can state with true conviction that if you want, like people are always like, what's the easiest niche? What's the most profitable niche? Like which niche should I like? Which niche would do you think I should pick, Charlie? I'm like, look, the best niche for you is just going to be the one that you you tank out for like two to three years. The worst niche is going to be whichever one you pick, because fundamentally, like the dynamics of a niche are the first, you know, couple of months inside of a niche are going to be the worst ones because it's when you've got the least understanding and you, you don't understand the, the the dynamics of it, essentially. As time progresses and as you learn more about the niche, the niche becomes better and better and better. So you kind of got this sort of like, you know, time to um, effect, I suppose, where like, you know, the more time that goes on, the better the niche becomes. And so it starts off like here. And this is where the niche is the worst. Because this, this could be like, you know, this could be like three to six months before you get to this point. And it sucks. But if you're willing to stick through that pain and you, you know, you're going to see sort of linear improvement and then one day you'll do like a sales call or you'll do something or you'll sign a certain client or you'll figure something out and you'll solve one problem. And then you sort of have this like sort of exponential effect where it suddenly gets really easy. And most people, they're not willing to stick around with the pain. And so what happens is they niche hop because here's the, here's the interesting thing about how you're going to feel about your niche. Let's say that this is the actual like effect of the niche, right? And how, how well it works. And this is time. And then this, this is going to be your feeling, right? And this is going to be time. So here's the thing about how you're going to feel about your niche, right? And let's do it in purple. So at the beginning, you're going to feel amazing about the niche you've picked. But then what's going to happen over time is that, you know, as things sort of progress, you're going to really have this exponential downwards turn and you're going to be here, right? And this, this isn't, this isn't too fun. But here's the weird thing about this graph, right? Is you, you start by feeling really great about your niche and then you feel like you hate it and it's awful. But if you just stuck it around and gave it a little bit of time, you'd find that you feel great about it. So there, there's this, there's this sort of trough and I don't know what I'm going to call it, but there's this trough that happens basically with every business who picks a niche where essentially for the first like couple of weeks or month, for the first month, you might feel pretty good. Then you start encountering problems and your emotions go down here. But then as soon as you solve problems, so if we, if we sort of, you know, compare this, right, let's drag these graphs over and you, it's not exactly perfect, but you can see how this works, right? So at the beginning, the effect of the niche is really awful. And with time, it gets better. But you're feeling at the beginning, you're feeling, you feel like it's amazing. So you're really irrational at this point because you've got these high expectations about the niche, 
but your expectations are very far out of alignment with reality. And so quickly your expectations fall off a cliff as you stay in the niche and it proves, proves to be difficult. But here's the funny thing is like, eventually if you just stick it out, you're going to feel better and better about the niche, but you're going to be very skeptical at this point. So your, your feeling is still going to be quite low, but as soon as it takes off, you feel good. So essentially like this is one of the, the core dynamics of, of, of understanding how niches work is like the worst one is the one that you pick and for the next six months is going to be awful. But beyond that point, that sweet spot is going to be pretty fucking awesome. And all you have to do is stick with it. So I, I do not advocate for niche hopping. But so I wanted to quickly share with you, if you are struggling to acquire clients and you've been spinning your wheels trying to figure that out, there's a link in the description you can click. I don't care if you click it or not, right? But basically it's a video of me explaining my business and how we serve agency owners and coaching consultants and how we can help them get clients. We've got a call off, we serve 500 people. We basically have literally next to no refund requests. It works incredibly well. Now, I'm not here to try and push something down your throat. You can check it out in your own time if you want to. Feel free to watch more videos first. It is entirely up to you. I don't want you to like feel like you've got to click anything. And also there's no course that ends in a seven. So don't worry about that. But this is the no-no niches, right? So avoid these ones if you can. I'd be interested to hear if you disagree with this. And I'd also be interested to hear if you agree with it. So you can comment, like, and subscribe, do all that fancy stuff. Don't turn on that notification bell. I don't want to distract you from work. You've got more important shit to do than watch these videos probably. Well, maybe that's up for debate for some people, but I'm hoping for you that's not the case. So anyway, that's everything from me. I hope you enjoyed this video. I do love you. Thank you so much for sticking around and I will see you in the next video. Mwah!